Welcome everyone to Watch Challenge. On each episode, we challenge ourselves to find and watch a film of a particular type and then report back the results to each other and you find listeners. My name is Mike Wint. And I'm Aaron Spears. This episode's challenge is Horror Marathons. Yeah. It is that time of the year. Um, uh, listeners from the previous episode, we did a uh, drive-in double feature for National Drive-In Movie Day in June and we felt inspired to, hey, you know what? What's more October themed than a horror movie marathon? <laughs> and you and I both attended a horror movie marathon over the weekend. So, we did. We did. Um, you know, our uh, our good friend uh, Dave uh, every year, I think, does a great job of uh, putting these things together. So I, I definitely was I'm, I'm channeling Dave's uh <laughs> mental mindset when uh when doing this episode <laughs> well there's like uh there is there's kind of an art to it which um do you well actually i okay I, I had two questions i thought of as soon as we knew we we're doing this topic one is the overall arching the overarching question is do you which we obviously the answer is yes because we're talking about the movies yeah. but do you advertise the lineup or not oh because the way that it goes locally here with 12 Hours of Terror, the day programs, is there's one secret movie, but you see the lineup. It was usually like five or six movies and then a yeah. secret one thrown in to get to 12 hours. But I've also seen like New Beverly or I think Music Box. There's a few other like kind of art house, bigger art house theaters around the country that don't advertise titles ahead of time. It's just we got a horror marathon. You coming or not? Yeah, no, that that's a great question. I would... I would probably at least put one or two of the titles out there to mm -hmm. whet the appetite because then, you know, you know, if that's something that you love, you know, that you're probably going to be able to get your other friends who yeah. also love that, that particular film. But I am intrigued by the, by having no advertisement, just like, this is what it is. Yeah. And you know, you're going to have a good time. It's, you know, if you make it, Maybe you get like a medal or you get something, right. you, know, you, you <laughs> yeah. get to keep something, but yeah, but I, I, you know, I, I think a lot of times I do appreciate seeing the list, uh, just because then I can mentally plan like, okay, maybe I will not off for this one or maybe, <laughs> yeah. maybe I'll, I'll walk around the theater a little bit, stretch the legs, yeah. get some food or something like that. Right. Right. Hit the bathroom when it's not you know, a crazy line. Cause it's in between yeah. movies, that sort of thing. That's true. Um, and for the purpose of this episode, we're doing four movies each. That isn't exactly like, you know, all day long, all night long. Yeah. Uh, kind of programming. That's only like, you know, eight ish hours with, you know, extra stuff sprinkled in there. But I guess if you're going to do full 12 hours, like a larger marathon, maybe like the first one, and the last one, like just to anchor it, like, you know, you're getting this, yeah. you know, you're ending on this and in between, we're just going to have some fun. Yeah. It's, it's much like, um, now this is getting hyper hyper local, I guess. But uh, the <laughs> at Case Western every year they do the Sci Fi Marathon. Which yeah, they give you quite a bit of the titles, but there's always like three or four uh, secret titles. Right. And um, usually when I see them, I'm like kicking myself that I didn't go um, because some of those some of those secret titles like. They have the capability of playing 70 millimeter there. They have right. you know, 35 and everything. Yeah. So, sorry, that that's the <laughs> 30 at the moment. But no, but that 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 works because you're you're enticed in with the the guaranteed titles that you've seen advertised. But then because like the secret films that happen at 12 hours of terror, like I love there's a secret film there. And there's such a rush to it though. And like you see 
Um, you know, like just, just, just this past weekend, you know, it was a black and white MGM logo. I was like, whoa, whoa, wait, what are we doing here? You know, yeah. or, um, you know, versus if it's, you know, the, I, I don't know if you, I'm trying to think of another logo that pops up, you know, if it's Grindhouse releasing or Canon or, or like right, right. Or that, that new line logo from the eighties, you're like, oh, oh, okay. What is going on right now? Yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's a rush to that of like kind of discovering it as, uh, as it unfolds, like right in front of you, the cheer of the crowd and. Yeah. Oh, and to you know, for our listeners who don't know, uh, the the secret movie for the one that we went to this weekend was Freaks, 1932's Freaks, which oh, right, yes. <laughs> to me was like that was like a total out of the box, did not expect it kind right. of uh movie. Uh just you know, Criterion uh just put out a new Blu-ray, and I think along with that they did like a new restoration. So that yeah. might be showing up at a theater near you. Uh, you know, sometime soon. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's something about being there when there is a secret movie advertised because yeah. like, you're going to be the only people who got to see that right. um, at that particular day. And it's like, it can never really be replicated. So I think that that's what's like part of the appeal of advertising a secret movie. And right. Stuff, I think it is to me. And that's a great secret one too, because if that was in the lineup, I don't dislike the movie. I think it's it's quite fantastic in a lot of ways, and also just as a cultural artifact now too. It's just yes. almost a hundred years old. It's fascinating, but I don't know if I would have been that excited if I just it saw it advertised in the lineup. But the fact yeah. that it's revealed as a secret, like you can just feel the energy in the room, like oh shit, oh okay, this is gonna be interesting. Yeah, so what we're gonna do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it just feels different being a secret one versus like an advertised one, but. Yeah. Um, well, we're we're going to be doing uh, no secret films in our lineup because this is yeah. an audio medium, and that's <laughs> not how any of this would work if we weren't actually you know mentioning the titles and talking about them. But as we dive in, though, did you have? There, I, I had certain criteria. Were there certain boxes you wanted to check for sure? If there's only four titles, yeah i I kind of had the mindset of kicking it off with something something familiar. Um, okay, you know, because then you know. You know, it's like a warm blanket uh, to to get to get things started. Okay, something a little off kilter, but more maybe a little bit recent, but not necessarily within this decade. Then I wanted to put, I put something like fairly new. Well, okay. now it's it's like eleven years old, I think. Um, That's still new to me too. How do yeah, you- <laughs> and then end it with. You know something from the the heyday of the eighties, I would say. Oh, okay, okay. I did something sort of similar. Um, I wanted something. I guess I was giving it. I called it a classic, but that's not the right word. I wanted something cult that maybe you people would recognize but haven't seen. Yeah. And then I wanted something kind of underseen, but also kind of in brackets for that one. I wanted um some other a horror film from out there out in the world, non English. Yeah. Uh, world cinema example. So that did kind of fall more recent for me, actually slightly more recent than 10, but not much. Yeah. <laughs> and then I wanted the third slot. I put in something bonkers, uh, something that's just crazy yeah. and fun and just brings the energy back up. I feel like maybe if your third or fourth movie in as subtitles, folks could tend to like start nodding off or sure. I think you really have the attention. I think peak attention might be on that second slot. So that's why I put the subtitle one there. And then the last one, um, I wanted something very like, great audience reaction movie like people would just really get into it to end on a high energy kind of uh kind of moment here so yeah i think i probably you probably described it a lot better uh (laughs) but 
But I kind of, yeah, very similar mindsets, I would say. I did have one gimmick I thought of, but I didn't utilize. And one thing that I discovered right when the pandemic first hit and there was a lot of like shelter in place orders and stuff was just closed was I got really into this method of movie watching that I hadn't done before where I would just pick a calendar year and all I would do for that week is just watch stuff from that calendar year. Yeah. Um, Whether or not it was a year I was alive for, it didn't really matter. And in diving into um, horror research, actually, honestly, it came from, um, we did one of our pick a year, any year episodes. We did 1981. And I was going through looking at horror from 1981. I was like, holy shit, like this is, it's post Halloween it's uh post Friday the 13th part one and it just exploded in 1981. Yeah. And I kind of debated like all 1981 movies. Yeah. Or of them back to back to back to just sort of get a full, like immersive experience for that, that marathon of what horror was like in one particular year. Uh, but I didn't end up doing that, but there's, it could easily have been done. <laughs> yeah, no. And I, I also contemplated if there was like maybe an overall arcing theme um to each of them oh yeah there is certainly you could try to do that um like but, slasher uh, movies through the years or revenge yeah or, yeah but i tried but it didn't really, it did not really work. <laughs> <laughs> well because there's so many great themes within horror that like you know it, it's kind of fun to curate a list like that maybe or just put something together like that on letterbox but then it's like yeah but if it's like the experience like this is ideally a program with people and a crowd yeah. Yeah, you want to take them on a take them on an adventure through all of the titles. So yeah, all right. Well, let's. Uh, any other uh, parameters that you had set for yourself? Anything we didn't didn't cover yet? Yeah, you know, I, I with one of them, you know, like I said, I wanted to, and I think you, like I said, you indicated it uh, a little better than me, than I did. But uh, for the like my second one, and you'll see, it's it's one of those ones that I think is you know, needs more love, maybe needs more of those kind of screenings to get it. Uh, I think some of the attention that it deserves because I rewatched it last year and I, I just had a blast with it. Um, so okay. that's, I think that's, um, you know, I, I just want to not just the obvious. I, I didn't really want to go super obvious, I guess. Okay. Gotcha. Now I'm curious about what that one is, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to jump in and start off because I was just mentioning 1981 and my kickoff movie is from 1981. Excellent. So my, my kickoff movie that I think isn't a classic vibe, if not actually a classic, it's one of those uh, horror fans I think will will know it and be like, oh, okay. And that is, uh, as I said, 1981, The Prowler. It was 1945, the night of the graduation dance. The war overseas had just ended. The terror at home Boy. was about to begin. Roy? Come on. Come on, kid. Don't play hard to get. What about New Year's Eve? Well, that was different. I couldn't help myself. The Prowler. If he wants you, he'll get you. Tonight, the terror begins again. They never found out who did it. But it had to be someone in town, someone who knew that she was called Rose. And Mark, that guy still might be around here. 
Oh, and I don't believe this. You're talking about something that happened over 30 years ago. Whenever the time was right, he'd come back. The Prowler. If he wants you, he'll get you. Ooh. Wow. Is that one you've ever seen? I I know of it, and I... Um, I can picture the box, but I, I just, or the artwork, but uh, I have not watched it. No, it's uh so it's been on Tubi for a while. And then I just need to buy it. Cause I've watched it like, I think three times since I, I first saw <laughs> it last Halloween, it popped up. I don't remember why on my radar. Of, oh, um, I was looking up like Tom Savini. Okay. He did the effects for it and God, did they let him go nuts go, go, yeah, yeah. uh so the basic premise of the tagline is it'll freeze your blood i don't know what that means but um <laughs> a mass killer wearing world war ii u.s army fatigues stalks a small new jersey town bent on reliving a 35 year old double murder by focusing on a group of college kids holding their annual spring dance um so it's from joseph zito who did um one of the nightmare on Elm Street movies, I, I believe. Maybe one of the Fridays. I think. Fridays, yeah. Was, oh, yeah. Uh, final chapter. Friday the 13th, yeah. final chapter. And Invasion USA and Missing in Action. And, <laughs> and you <know>. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he does this one. And it, the, the, the showcase here is just, it's Savini and his effects. Like, the characters aren't, ter- I mean, they're, they're memorable enough. Yeah. It's also kind of an interesting... Uh, it starts off with like celebrating like VE day. Like it's a bunch of people in black and white, like movie tone footage. You're like, wait, what the fuck am I watching? I don't think <laughs> but it's also in 1981 slasher movie where like the tropes are established kind of. So, and it doesn't feel like it's leaning into it the way that you'd get further into the eighties. Once like, you know, once Freddie becomes like a one liner machine before he kills, yes. it's still like very much like trying to build the mythos or the mythology around a killer. Yeah. Kind of interesting. I don't want to spoil anything because it's kind of, I think, underseen, but like has achieved a certain amount of occult status to it. It's practical effects and it's a slowly picking off characters um, as we move along here. And all right, an early on scene, somebody's killed with a pitchfork in the <laughs> shower. So like you couldn't be more vulnerable. You're naked, you're in the shower, and then somebody just stabs you with a pitchfork, lifts you up, and like Savini, they're like, all right. We need the entry point. We need the lift point. We need the blood splurting. We like everything. You're like, oh, Jesus. It really, what's what's the right metaphor here? He really twists the knife with yeah. the effects that he's doing here. But it's that practical effects where you're like, it's 81, so it's still kind of the ketchup blood-ish yeah. um, sort of thing. But it's, I don't know, it's just, it's pretty awesome. Uh, it's just pretty awesome all around. The The characters are fine. Again, it's really just a, a it's not just an effects highlight reel for savini but when you watch it going like if you're making a slasher movie and it's after this movie comes out you're like get the guy who did those effects like yeah amazing <laughs> guy's so good <laughs> so good so good and it's one of those like I, if it's like over 80 minutes i'd be shocked it moves at a clip it's fantastic and um uh it's one of those that like you don't have a ton of actors that are in it that like went on to do a bunch more like when you see the cast rolling on screen you're like nothing's really going to stand out um maybe Lawrence tierney uh is going to stand out to you but yeah. um, no, it's it's 
It's fantastic. It's one that I think people will see the Savini name, you know, in the credits uh, at a horror marathon. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, what are we doing here? Right. And it, yeah, it, it hits the ground running. And, and I don't think it's like a uh, standing ovation. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, I'm kicking off with Prowler in 1981. That's cool. So mine, I'm kicking off with, uh, you know, I think I mentioned that, you know, I want to start with something familiar. So something like a warm blanket. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm going with 1976's Carrie from Brian De Palma. It's the night of the senior prom. The Bates High School gym is alive with excitement. Everybody is there. Even Carrie White. The girl no one likes. Oh, sorry about this incident, Cassie. It's Carrie! And everyone makes fun of her. Free Carrie! Free Carrie! <laughs> the girl who lives in that creepy house with her crazy mother. Help the silly woman see the sin of her days and ways. Show her. That if she had remained sinless, the curse of blood would never have come on her. The girl with the strange power. If I concentrate hard enough, I can move things. But tonight, no one will laugh at Carrie. If you don't have a date for the prom next Friday, would you like to go with me? She's with the best-looking boy in the senior class. He's trying to trick me again. She'll be voted queen of the prom. You know, I can make sure that you don't hurt Carrie White anymore. For Carrie... It will be a dream come true. For everyone else, it will be a nightmare. Maybe that's a little overly familiar, but uh, I think the the thing that is significant about this movie uh, is that it's it's the first uh, Stephen King uh, feature length adaptation. Was it really? I believe so. Okay. Um, it also um, has amazing performance performances from Sissy Spacek and also uh, the late Piper Laurie. She just uh, passed away, I believe last week. Um, And um, so for anybody who has never seen this, and I mean, if you haven't by now, I mean, what's wrong with you? Uh, (laughs) But uh, you know, Carrie is a a socially awkward high schooler uh, who starts to learn she has telekinetic powers and um, you know, she's, very badly um, uh, tortured, basically, uh, you know, by her classmates, not physically, but, you know, mostly mentally. Um, and this was one of those movies that when um, when we first got cable in my house in the mid 90s, uh, I think Carrie was that was on that was like um on tnt like i i swear to god like every weekend um <laughs> and um it it's uh it's just one of those things that like i grew to love it mm-hmm. um and uh that that movie also moves at a, a clip it's yeah uh, you know it's just a little over 90 minutes but it it moves so fast and um the the ending still uh, i mean when you get to the the prom scene, it still shocks me sometimes. Like when you see like the way how De Palma decides to do this split screen action and you're seeing um, all these people uh, they're you know, get their, they're probably their desserts, but, uh, but some of those people who were very nice to her at this point, it just doesn't matter, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, 
but uh but yeah there's something about it uh that that's always really played well with me and um so yeah it's uh you know i i if i saw that on a list i'd be like okay great uh, like good start yeah uh, yeah so so yeah i feel like it, that played at the marathon last year wasn't it it Lovely. did yeah it did. Um, that played awesome with the crowd too i'd only seen it i think yeah. i only saw it one time on vhs with like friends way back when yeah um, and so seeing that again on the crowd and the big screen, the crowd was great. Yes. You know, it, it, it just has like, I, I think there are certain things that are very memorable about it um, is, you know, being uh, a young teenager, <laughs> that opening scene in the shower, like where. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, like on TNT, especially it's like they still played that, but they were just like there were like, you know, the uh, gray blobs everywhere. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> one of those. Uh, so I, I think I was like, you know, probably 12 or so. I'm like, oh, I want to see that. <laughs> yeah. The blobs. <laughs> uh, not to sound like a creeper, but, um, but no, that it's just one of those things that uh, that movie is just has a lot of like imagery that is, uh, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's like, it still sticks with me and I've, I've seen it like so long ago. Yeah. I did notice because like I watched it as a kid kind of more for like, ooh, a horror, a scary movie. Let's watch it. My buddies on VHS yeah. as like a teenager watching it as adult last year. I was like, man, the bullying in this movie is really man. effective yeah. and hurts hurts my heart as a parent now. Where I'm just like, yes, damn, this is uh, this is tough to watch. Karen Allen's character is is really like very brutal to her. So it it's all like to me um, when she when she was in RoboCop, it's like you, you like her a lot in that yeah. movie. So it's just, I, and I know it's like, you know, actress can't be defined by one role, but it's like, man, sometimes uh, like, wow, she made like a really good impression of being like a bad bitch. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Not that we're showing these at the same time since we're programming different horror festivals, but my, my second pick blends so well in with, Ooh. with Carrie. Excellent. Um, I, wanted something so my second slot i wanted something like i said kind of from world cinema kind of world horror see what's going on yeah. and if you're thinking about kind of contemporary world horror uh france is is a destination mm-hmm. um not a huge fan of like the new french extremity kind of stuff i've seen things and I, I love that they're pushing boundaries even if it's not necessarily exactly for me but i also was thinking um this movie is a great example of one of the things that is kind of lacking in some horror unless you really dig in deeper like carrie's story is much more like she finally realizes her powers and is like hey i'm I'm me by the end and yeah there's like a huge body count and all that so dicey but um i went with the movie revenge from 2017 jennifer stand to meet my associates What is it you don't like about about me? You're not my type, that's all. Okay. Uh, yeah. 
um, I believe, uh, because you have uh, you have an interesting female character who isn't just being put through the ringer, as we've mentioned with some of our other other films. Um, yeah. And previously too, mentioning films with cults um, talking about you know, like I think we mentioned even before, like uh, Tony Collette and Hereditary. Amazing performance. Also, we just got to see that on the big screen as part of Marathon. <laughs> um, but like it's such like through the ringer. And uh, Matilda Luntz, who's the star of this one, plays Jen. She's put through the ringer in Revenge, yeah. but in kind of a, di- well, I guess emotionally and whatever. But I, I think it's like a great kind of uh, female directed horror and female starring horror film that you don't always get. It's 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 tends to be like, you know, uh, emotional victim or physical victim. But yeah. um, she is uh, kicking ass and taking names by uh, by the end of this one. So. Jen's character that Matilda Luntz plays, it's a romantic getaway with her wealthy, although married, uh, boyfriend. So plenty of tropes there. She's dressed very scantily. Like it's just, it's a house in the middle of a desert. It looks like there's no one else around. <laughs> yeah. um, I, for some reason, I want to say it was like set in the outback or something, isn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. I'm just picturing that. Yes, it is. It's because it's an Austra- it's either Australian or, oh, where? But yeah, it, it's definitely in the desert. Yeah. It's at least in the desert. Yeah, I may have made up the the whole. <laughs> I mean, it's like French production, but I feel like they make a mention that she has recently moved to the states or like Los Angeles somewhere. Anyway, yeah. but they're out in the desert. The whole movie takes place in this just like amazing like work of architecture in this this house out in the desert. But then you know, two buddies actually show up, and it gets really pervy really quickly. And you're mm-hmm. like, what am I watching here? <laughs> hold with it. Hold with it. Um, it is rough. She is basically ends up being left for dead and then um, gets her revenge. And that's why it's called Revenge. Um, <laughs> it's from uh, director uh, Coralie Ferragé. I may be pronouncing that correctly. It's French, so that's not the first thing my tongue pronounces. But um, it's currently on Shudder, and I would uh, highly recommend that. Saw it with a film festival audience a couple of years back when it came out. And it's a squirmy one because oh, it is yeah. violent um, but it's, I feel like in that realistic violence kind of way, not in like an exploitative yes. violence kind of way. Um, no, I, I had saw it like, uh, I think a few months later after the film festival had played at the, at the Cinematheque and the, the crowd was so into it. It was so like, man, some of the, like, it was very bloody, very, very bloody. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm fine with it, but like, I, I think I took my wife and, you know, she just doesn't really do blood that much but but she did like the overall theme of the movie which yeah uh, you know just shows like hey sometimes uh <laughs> men can be really pretty bad uh <laughs> yeah 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 so yeah uh, all right what is your your second slot mike all right so my second you- slot as i as i mentioned it it was something that's like you know not as obvious i think and i am a big fan of um an anthology uh, horror oh yeah yeah so, uh i'm going with uh tales from the hood uh from 1995 Let's roll, in this neighborhood is a house where souls never rest you're invited to share their secrets i've been waiting for you boys you're invited to share their tales unless of course you're scared Tales of madness. Ah! <laughs> of revenge. The dolls don't want you there. They want reparation. Ah! Of horror. He thinks he needs to kill the monster. 
Now, your most terrifying nightmare and your most frightening reality are about to meet on the streets. And this is a trip, homie. I don't need nothing from no house of dead folks, okay? Death. It comes in many strange packages. The producer of Menace to Society and executive producer Spike Lee will take you to the outer limits of the inner city. Welcome to hell! <laughs> Tales from the Hood. And uh, so this was uh, Spike Lee was one of the executive producers on it. And um, it follows basically, you know, you have a lot. Of, I think a good anthology movie has a an outline to it. Uh, mm-hmm. So like there's like an outer story and then you hear, you know, eventually you go into the, the different um, things from that. And uh, so this is basically, you know, some. Uh, kind of young gangsters kind of stumble into this uh, a funeral home. The guy who plays the the funeral owner is so good, um, and it's uh, Clarence Williams the third. Uh, I think uh, he's no longer with us, but he is like, damn, he's so good in this role. Yeah. Um, but most of the of the of the tales in this are, you know, basically. And I think, you know, when this came out in like in the mid nineties, you know, this was just after the LA riots and everything. So a lot of Mm -hmm. like kind of racial tensions, you know, were not too long after do the right thing. And some of the Spike Lee's like very, you know, progressive and landmark films. So yeah, yeah. uh, there's a lot of themes here, uh, mostly involving, you know, certain racism and, you know, white people, I will say, sometimes do not look very good in this movie, uh, especially the one with Corbin Burnson, uh, where he plays like a pretty racist uh, senator. Uh, but uh, I think the thing with this is like, it's a little, you, you could tell like they were probably limited by some of their budgetary things, but it has like some really fun, effective effect like effects uh, you know especially there's one where you know they're using like a little voodoo doll and you know when they start to twist the arm it's like, oh yeah oh. yeah <laughs> one of those deals um but there's something about that one it's um you know that it, it I, I'm very rarely is seen in like in theaters and very yeah. rare, like or brought back and very rarely on tv um, but, uh, but I, I think there's, there's something about it that's, that's fun. And you could tell maybe some of Spike Lee's, um, you know, why he would like attach his name as an executive producer. Cause I don't know if maybe it was in name only, but a lot of the themes I think are synonymous yeah. with his work, but yeah, that one, it's like, you don't really hear often talked in the conversations about these type of things. That's true. That's true. I need to go. I was just, as you're describing, I was like, I have not watched that in forever. I need to go back and watch that. <laughs> yeah. And I was uh scream factory, which, um, you know, they're probably one of the best. They're like the criterion for a lot of these horror films. They yeah. put out a pretty good, uh, Blu-ray maybe two or three years ago uh, okay. that I have. And, uh, you know, I, it, it gave, you know, basically, you know, a good transfer and also, um, you know, some really pretty good special features actually. Nice. Um, because that, 
it came out from a, a company that's defunct now called Savoy. I think Savoy Pictures, which like HBO had a hand in. Okay. Uh, but uh, like they quickly went bankrupt because none of, their, none of those movies were very successful. Uh, I bet it's one of those that if you looked at like all the titles they put out, you're like, well, cult status now, but yeah. it didn't help you at the time. Kind exactly. Of yeah. I did not realize there are also two sequels to it as well. So I did not keep up with that, Frank. Well, yeah. the third one was I, 2020, so very recently. I have not seen the sequels. <laughs> so. uh, yeah, I definitely want to go back because just as you were describing, I was like, there's such a it's such a 95 time capsule yes. of stuff. Even like on the Wikipedia entry for it, it mentions uh, themes of police corruption, domestic abuse, racism, gang violence. I was like, oh, geez, this is... um. Could like you said, it just couldn't be more of a wrapped up zeitgeist elements of of 1995 right there. Yeah. Um, most of which, unfortunately, are still problems today. But um, I'd be very curious to go back and watch that with 2023 eyes. Yeah, at this point. So plus anthology film wise too. If you're not a huge, if you're this, if you like this comes up on screen, you're like not that excited for it in the context of a horror marathon. Well, just wait ten minutes and maybe the next story is going to work for you. Um, yeah. That's exactly. a really, yeah, I never thought about putting like anthology style within the programming, but that would be, that would be pretty fun. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. It, it was a very close call. I almost uh, said creep show here, in, but, but I thought, you know what, let's do something, you know, out of the, the norm. Yeah. Well, I mean, creep show would definitely work too, but like you said, that one's probably much more seen yes. than Tales from the Hood is as well. Yeah. Especially as like streaming rights have to be worked out. And if it's oh, not absolutely. real easy, I'm sure streamers are just like, fuck it, next movie. <laughs> I'm not really working this out right now. So that is a solid one. My third pick. So this is in my um, my bonkers category. We're three. Sure. The third one in. I kind of want to want to jolt people with maybe something they haven't seen or if they have seen it, the reaction should be like, oh, hell yeah, this is going to be fun. I uh, I did go back to the 80s for a second one. I was trying to space out my decades more, but I just had so much fun. Uh, I watched this movie for the first time. It was January, actually, 2022, uh, when I finally got a hold of it. Uh, it is a movie called Night of the Comet from 1984. Oh, yeah. I love that one. Samantha? What? Ah! God, what are you trying to do? Give me a heart attack? What's happening? Oh, yeah, I guess you are a little confused. I'll go to pep squad practice and split after. So I don't know if pep squad practice is on or not. You can't get anybody on the phones. There's nobody. I mean, there's nobody. All right, nobody. Look. Look at this. Here's Doris. This is all that's left of her. This is dust. It's Saturday morning. Where are the goddamn kids? <laughs> do you have your, uh, do you have your MasterCard on you? No. Good, because you don't need it. The stars are open! <laughs> okay, girls, hold her right there. You, the blonde, get into the light. You know a lot of dates this one? Did you get this at dimes? I'll be taking requests from all you teenage comet zombies. Might be all right for date night in the barrio, but if we don't get any more of those guys outside, we can get a little more stopping So the the premise here is um, Earth is passing through the tail of a comet, night of the comet. 
uh, an event which has not occurred for 65 million years and coincided with, you know, the extinction level event took out the dinosaurs. This is also kind of a secret Christmas movie. <laughs> the Christmas season movie because I feel like the whole plot I made in one of my notes was like takes place close enough to Christmas I'm going to rewatch next year <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. it has to happen somewhere around Christmas I guess but people go out to celebrate you know standing around this um watching the comet because like it also gives this cool glow to everything too like it's almost like the, yeah. the magic hour kind of look to a lot of the exterior shots but the main core part of the story is two girls from the valley wake up to find that the passing comet has eradicated the world and left behind a mysterious kind of red dust uh, kind of look to everything. And also there's roving packs of cannibal mutants <laughs> and uh, all that fun stuff you want from, uh, from a, uh, a horror kind of sci-fi fantasy movie. The thing I want to intrigue people with, if they haven't heard of this movie or I have heard of it, but I haven't seen it. Some of the dialogue is just like, I was baffled at how well, like the characters were developed and the dialogue is in this movie. <laughs> yeah couple quotes that I thought were awesome here is one is I'm not crazy. I just don't give a fuck. <laughs> great, great one liner. Another one is uh, one character talking to another character. You were born with an asshole, Doris. You don't need Chuck. <laughs> Try to get her to get rid of her boyfriend in that case. Um, come on, Hector. The Mac 10 submachine gun was practically designed for housewives. <laughs> this is, this is the, uh, this is the level we're talking about here. We're like, it's, it's solid, solid character work, but like the zingers are just fast and furious and it is so, so much fun. 95 minutes, again, so well paced, uh, really great time. It goes into places where I'm like, are they get? Oh, okay. They are going there. Okay. This is getting really, really interesting. So it does have a little bit of a comedy streak to it. I think it's not, it's 84. So we're not in like meta self-referential stuff necessarily just yet. But they are, by 1984, you can play around the horror genres. So, like, you know, there's a little bit of a zombie angle. There's an apocalypse survival story. There's, I don't know, I feel like it has mostly, like, some Romero themes kind of around there of, like, uh, his idea of can people band together and survive something? No, it's always humans that are going to fuck it up in the long run kind of thing. (laughs) Um, So it has that sort of thing, but it's told from an interesting kind of ensemble piece. Um, Again, it kind of mainly focuses on a couple girls, but everybody that's in their orbit is is kind of around there as well but um i just had such a blast with this one uh that it's definitely like it's in my my short list of just like stuff in rotation when uh i'm gonna throw this as as kind of my my horror watch around the holidays uh from now on yeah i i rewatched that one during the pandemic uh because it was i think it it was available on one of the streamers and um Mm -hmm. i just uh yeah, that, that it was a ton of fun. And like and those actresses, you know, were like uh, so cute. Uh, <laughs> oh, total just like, like valley girl kind of stuff. Yeah. You're, like, you're expecting one thing then because you hear the accent, you see the way they talk. And then once the apocalypse happens, you're like, oh, oh, we're going this direction. I like this. I like this a lot more. <laughs> but yeah, as of this recording, if you're looking for some Halloween, uh, you know, evening watching, it's uh, Canopy, Tubi, and Hoopla for uh, as far as I can tell right now. So easily streamable Night of the Comet from 84. Yes. No, that's that's a great one. Um, so my third is is a little bit, uh, you know, so we, we start off with something familiar, something less uh, less seen probably. And now I have something newer. And I think honestly, one of the scariest movies that I've seen um, in the last uh, decade or so, and it's uh, 2012's 
Scott Derrickson Sinister. New details today in the grisly murders of a local family found earlier this week. I didn't want to move here. We couldn't afford to live in the old house anymore. Plus, the new story I'm writing is here. Is the story a good one this time? I'm going to write the best book that anybody's ever read. I got a really good feeling about this. <laughs> You gotta be kidding me. Finley hanging out. Barbecue 79. That's the family who lived here. You think these are serial murders? I don't know. First one I found dates back to the 60s. The only link between all these cases is the symbol. The symbol is associated with a pagan deity named Bagul. He consumes the souls of human children. I have never been onto something this big before. Early Christians believed that Bagul actually lived in the images themselves and that they were gateways into his realm. Children exposed to the images were especially vulnerable to Bagul's abduction. Sweetheart, what are you doing? Painting. I wanted to paint her picture. Who are you talking about? Stephanie. She used to live here. What's the matter? What's happened? Get the kids. Pack the car. We have to leave here now. Oh, I don't think I ever watched this one. It has um, Ethan Hawke. I'm in. Yeah, he he played, you know, he's like a true crime writer. He finds this box of Super 8 movies in his new home. And, you know, it shows, you know, the the people who lived in this home being killed, like, horrifically. And, um, you know, there, there starts to be, uh, you know, things start happening in the house that uh that are getting more and more disturbing and you know perhaps is this is this killer still alive okay um this is just like man just the pitch perfect tone with this movie um it's it's pretty dark pretty bleak um but also it does have every now and then moments of lightness but um i think um you know scott Derrickson has also worked with Ethan Hawke like uh, last year in the Black Phone, uh, which I thought was a was another oh, yeah. pretty good one. And uh, I think Derrickson is an interesting director because he did uh, I think he did the first Doctor Strange, but then has decided like, um, yep, nope, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no more Disney. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, very just this one now. I, I'm kind of like with you where maybe, a you know, like, like I do like my horror comedies. Yeah. You know, but this one I decided, like, let's let's take it down from Tales on the Hood, go pretty, pretty freaking scary. And then you'll, you'll see I'll, I'll end it kind of on a more funny note. But, um, right. <laughs> but man, this one I, I think is really effective. And I think if you look up certain lists of like what are some of the. Mm-hmm. The more recent scary horror films, this one see usually is near the top. 
yeah highest rated and everything and um i think it's it's just one that's it's even it's growing more as it goes along and i think there might have been a there might have been a sequel but uh from what i hear the sequel is not as good oh gotcha well it's not derrickson's i'm not seeing it on his oh yeah okay it came out and that is one of the least rated uh <laughs> but scott derrison is is credited as a writer i was gonna say yeah, he's a writer on here so he still had something he wanted to uh pursue here yeah yeah there's um i big ethan hawk fan here and it's it's interesting to me the lower budget horror that he's worked on and yeah. i would put sinister in there because it says budget of three million that is not a crazy no. uh, budget especially when you've got you know, somebody I don't like Ethan Hawke's a huge, well-known star. I don't think he's at commanding like twenty million dollar paydays, but yeah, um, it's something that clearly looks to me like, oh, he really wanted to do this, um, and work with it. Some of the other horror movies that he's done, like The Purge, that was done for like no money, yeah, uh, very low budget. But he's like, I, he seems like somebody who's interested in like a good hook and a good story, well told. Um, and then also obviously Black Phone, like you said, I haven't seen that one, but. Yeah, that that one's good. Yeah, it's like he he does tend like he, he worked with Paul Schrader for first reform, you know, and that's something that's like mm-hmm. that could like almost technically be in like in a horror marathon as well because it's yeah got some very weird um, scenes of um, you know imagery and everything. But uh, yeah, I mean, good on Ethan Hawke for for really just kind of you know, he probably could have coasted on certain things that he, he started in like a long time ago and he could just, you know, show up. You know, oh yeah. Yeah. For sure. Like, you know, things, but uh, no, I, I think he's just got a really great, uh, he, he's not afraid to do genre stuff, which I think sometimes people, right. when they reach that certain status, they kind of are. I mean, Chris, like right now he's starring in a short Pedro Almodovar film that's yeah. being <laughs> out in, the, in circulation with Pedro Pascal. So I was like, yeah, he he does not seems like he puts his trust in the um, the creative process and the artist behind it. And was like, sure, I'll do a quick vaccination scene in Glass Onion with you because I think it'd be fun <laughs> to hang out with you guys and do a scene. Yeah. You're like, what? All right. No, I, um, my wife and I had just saw that, you know, or, or we went to see the, the Pedro, uh, Almodovar short with him in it. And I, mm-hmm. you know, I think he is like, uh, to us, he was like the, uh, and nothing against Pedro Pascal, but, uh, I think Ethan Hawke was the, he was like the, the ace for that short. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we are, uh, already at the end of our marathon, uh, <laughs> last picks here. I, did as I mentioned, I wanted to go a little bit more like fully into I wanted to leave everybody like on an emotional high. I love that you did Sinister where you did. I think that was kind of maybe where I put revenge as my my second one there, <laughs> where like the intensity, like you, I think you do need something intense. Uh the one we were just at, we saw Hereditary. Oh yeah. That was about as intense as you're gonna get. And then that was followed up by uh the pressure release valve of uh Freaks and then Cabin in the Woods. Um, so, you know, classic kind of different vibe of horror there and all that. And so I was like, well, this isn't like you're stumbling out of the theater in the daytime because you're only it's only four movies here. But I wanted one that would just like if you're attracted to a horror marathon, I think this movie has something for everybody that's 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 in there. Um, and that is Psycho Gorman from 2020. Many moons ago, a nameless evil was imprisoned in a place far beyond reach. 
Hurry up! If he were ever to be released, it would spell certain doom for all existence. Is that fear I smell? Your planet will be torn to pieces, and I will Mimi, treat your screams as I rip. Is this yours? Oh. Uh, oh my God. The gem of Paraxonite. Whoever wields it is able to command me. Go over there. Uh, and wait for us to come back in the morning. You will suffer an eternity for this. Bye. Mom, Dad, I want you to meet Psycho Gorman. Or PG for short. I will bathe in your blood. Don't worry. Be worried. He's gonna kill everybody, not unless I tell him to. What did you three maniacs get up to? Um, this is getting a little weird. This sick game must come to an end. She will enslave the galaxy into endless servitude. Kill him! Cool. The ultimate evil has awoken. There's a new god in town, and his name? Psycho Gorman. It was nice meeting you. It would be nicer if you were dead. All right, bye. It's technically a kid's story. Because it's siblings, Mimi and Luke, they are unwitting. They unwittingly resurrect an ancient alien overlord. So they're just playing a game of basically Calvin ball, you know, making up as they go along in their backyard. Just uh, they end up digging a hole because the loser has to dig a hole. I think to to bury themselves. I forget what it is. it's, but it's it's kids being kids. They unlock this medallion, and then that brings about Psycho Gorman, who they name. He has a different name, but she's not interested in that <laughs> that name at yeah. all. This is definitely the older sister uh, of the sibling duo. And it's one of those like, what happens if you just give a 13 year old kid all of the power in the galaxy and what would they do with it? So she, she is in control of him. He wants to destroy the world. He's this intergalactic being who, um, you know, is an international like killer. Like he's killed planets of people. Like he yeah. just wants to crush everybody's head. We get to see his power because as he's first uh, kind of resurrected, she's not near him. And he goes into like this abandoned warehouse. And there's, I think, some people just like shooting up or whatever. And they're like, get the fuck out of here. And he like splatter gore kills them, like ripped apart, squished heads. Like it is trauma level gory. And so I think that would satisfy folks that are there for the horror. Yes. uh, Horror stuff. But also once she's holding the medallion and in control of him. He she makes him do whatever she wants to do. And this is the whims of a spoiled 13 year old brat. So like we don't. And it's showing the movie showing you in the opening scenes like it's going to go there. So you're like, <laughs> I don't know if she's going to have this guy like kill her brother by just squishing his head or like what's going to happen. Um, and there's so much fun to kind of unfurl within the story. Uh, you don't want to ruin anything for anybody, um, that sort of thing. But. Like at one point, one of their other friends who comes over to play just gets turned into a giant brain and he's just a giant brain the rest of the movie. Just it's on the poster. He's just he's walking around with them. They're trying to play some dodgeball or whatever. And he's like, like he's he's a giant brain with tentacle arms. Um, <laughs> it is uh, it's quite gross, uh, but it's in that fun kind of kind of I don't want to say creature. I mean, it's definitely got the trauma vibes, but it also um, it just has like a great fun sense of play. Yeah. About it that I think is really interesting. There's um, 
this brand of horror I keep I've seen reference called like Astron Six, and I can't remember if that's a production company or what it is. I think it's uh, yeah, it's a video production company out of Canada. Um, if you look up anything that they've done, uh, Astron Six, they it's it's kind of trauma esque, I guess. And yeah. this is, um, I don't know if this is like I don't think it's necessarily from them, but it has that vibe of like it's not a, it's not above doing like a little wink wink nudge nudge comedy, um, kind of along with it. But it's also it's not like kids star in the movie. Let's play it safe. Like it's rated R. <laughs> and but then um, yeah, it, it it pulls in like other people from th- other creatures throughout the galaxy that want to kill uh, Psycho Gorman. Um, they're coming to Earth now, so then it's like the kids are realizing what is really in their hands, and it's just you'll be laughing. You're going to be going, oh god, a few times because it gets it gets gross. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and all of that, but it's, um, uh, it's just, it would, it would end on a high and everybody would be like, Oh my God, that was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> really fun. Um, and it's, I think it would just be a good cap, uh, a good cap to the end where you're just like, yeah, all right. That was, uh, that was kind of how I wanted to end it. That is, that was wild. That's awesome. No, I'm going to have to add that to my list. Cause I have not heard of that one at all. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't, I don't know where it came on my radar at all. Um, I, 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 some folks I follow on Letterboxd like had reviews of it, but I'd already seen it then. I don't, I, yeah, I, I was looking at my notes and I can't trace back when, um, where I found it or when I found it. The only, my, my note when I saw it was if my 13 year old Fangoria obsessed self had seen this movie, <laughs> there's a hundred percent chance it would have been an obsession of mine for a while. <laughs> um, and the guy that voices Psycho Gorman, I don't have the actor's name in front of me, but like, he's doing a very serious like intergalactic you know death obsessed demon who's only there to you know he's like oh see a psycho see tomorrow i was like i'd rather you rotted in hell you know he's got a great voice to it you're like this doesn't mix with a kid's movie at all but it makes it awesome that it is mixed in with a kid's movie basically that's awesome so (laughs) um kind of also bonkers territory as well but um i don't know just as that like that fun fun toxic avenger trauma kind of vibe to it but for kids yeah but rated R. <laughs> yeah. What are you capping us off with? All right. right. Well, I'm, I'm capping it off with, uh, I had to go eighties with it. Nice. Um, you know, kind of like, you know, you always want to leave people, um, satisfied and, you know, something that's more of a, I guess what the kids call sometimes a banger. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, so I'm going with, uh, John Carpenter's they live. What do these things want, and why are they here? You still don't get it, do you, boy? They have recruited the rich and the powerful. They're running the whole show. Wake up! They're all about you, all around you. Blind us to the truth. Take a look. They are safe as long as they are not discovered. I don't know what they are or where they came from, but we gotta stop them. Stay away from me. Put these on. They have us. Look at them. They're everywhere. We have no other choice. I don't like this one bit. Leave it alone, man. It ain't none of my business. Ain't none of yours. We have been lulled into a trance. Listen to what I'm saying to you. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. Control us! You're sending some kind of signals on TV sets. I've got one that can see. Mama don't like tattletale. Now we start spilling some blood. Let's go! Push I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, which um, 
you know, for once again, for the uninitiated, it uh, it stars Roddy Piper, the uh, the amazing uh, professional wrestler. Uh, rest rest in peace. Uh, but um, he, um, you know, he's a drifter who goes to L.A. and he's looking for a job, and he starts to realize that there is there's something weird going on when he puts on sunglasses, and you know, starts to realize that you know aliens have basically. Uh, you know, they've inhabited pretty much every, everything else around them. When he puts on the, on the glasses, there's all these, there's imagery everywhere, uh, you know, like hidden imagery, like, you know, um, obey and, uh, all this stuff. And, you know, when he's watching the news or something, you know, there's, there's just something weird going on. So then, uh, him and, um, his uh, cohort, uh, Keith David, who is also, he's just one of those guys that you, you know, he's, he's one of those familiar faces. Uh, like when you see him, you're like, Hey, Keith, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, once, um, it starts to get into, you know, Roddy Piper, you know, starts to get into, uh, revenge mode, you know, with, with the guns and everything. And he, he's delivering a lot of these, um, one liners, like I'm going to kick ass and chew bubble gum, you know? Oh yeah. <laughs> um, which, uh, actually, uh, recently somebody bought me a, a soda from, uh, one of these stores and it, it's like a pink soda, but it, it said like kick ass and chew bubble chew gum. gum. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I think the thing with They Live is like it's so fun. It's kind of bonkers as well. Yeah. And John Carpenter kind of capped off his 80s, which I mean, God, he had a great 70s. But then, I mean, his choices just in the 80s just kind of put him on a God tier level, I think, of, of horror filmmakers. And he knows how to greatly balance, I think horror and comedy in this movie. And um, I think that's why they live would be, you know, a good capper to, to a, a marathon evening. If that. Oh, absolutely. Be. Yeah. So, especially cause the way you have your, your lineup going, like you're going to need something after sinister that like yeah. everyone is when they see the credits on screen, you'd be like, Whew, okay, yeah. let's uh, settle in here. Let's enjoy this. Yeah. yeah. I think this is one I've, I keep meaning to go back to. I have not watched in a while. So that would be a very welcome addition to see that on a, on a horror marathon lineup. Yeah. A couple of years ago, uh, the Cinematheque did a, a John Carpenter retrospective and, um, and they live um, was one of them and, you know, got to, got to do like escape from New York and a bunch of, yeah. I mean, it was like, it was awesome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I wish I could actually just relive that, uh, that month again, but uh <laughs> But yeah, no, it's just John Carpenter. I mean, you know, he hasn't really, of course, he hasn't made like anything super memorable in this, in this era, but I mean, he could just, he could easily just coast off those at the seventies and eighties stuff. Like, you know, I, I would just, and, and even in the nineties, like the, like last week or the last episode when, uh, in the mouth of madness, like, you know, he oh, just, yeah, yeah you know, he really had some very unique films and that's why he's like, he's just so good. 
I think I have a couple of friends who did enjoy the ward, his most oh, recent. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen it. It says 2010. I think it has um, Johnny Depp's old flame. It does. Amber Heard's yeah. in it. <laughs> and um, he's not writing that one. Carpenter isn't, sorry. Yeah. Um, and he's not composing, but you know that is his last feature film directorial effort. I keep hearing things now. People rave about John Carpenter. They're like that he's just into smoking weed, making music, and playing video games. I don't know if that's like yeah a shtick or what. But I was like, I, I've heard that on more than one podcast and read it in more than one review. Where I was like, well, good for him. He earned it. Fine. Yeah, I have heard Great retirement. <laughs> a friend of mine locally uh, who's got to photograph him. She said. Sometimes he can be grouchy. It's kind of like um, actually Tom Savini as well. She's mentioned where uh, some of these guys, yeah, they can sometimes be grouchy, but if you catch them on a good day, they're, they're very uh, pleasant to be around. But yeah, she said uh, she caught Carpenter on a pretty good day. (laughs) And you know what? You're allowed to be in a bad mood. It's fine. I'm sure if he goes out, people recognize him. I love horror movies and stuff, but like some of the fans can just be the worst. And I don't blame him if he gets a little cranky because somebody else is down and like, Jesus fucking Christ, I'm just going to the grocery store. Leave me alone. Like, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right, Carpenter. You're good. You're good. But so our uh, official watch challenge horror marathon lineups are Prowler 81, Revenge from 2017, Night of the Comet from 1984, and Psycho Gorman from 2020. In mine are Carrie from 1976, Tales from the Hood from 1995, uh, Sinister from 2012, and They Live from 1988. You can tell it works because I really want to watch that lineup you got there. So. <laughs> yeah. um, awesome. Mike, uh, what challenge do we have in front of us for next time? Well, you know, with a lot of the um, now we're heading into f- Oscar type movie season um you know one of the things that always strikes me is the cinematography so i figure it might be cool to look at some of the films that have been nominated for best cinematography from throughout the years too right yes anything that's been nominated is fair game for this one yeah sweet that's hopefully a wide swath (laughs) i'm guessing it's gonna be one of those like wow there's a shitload of stuff here um (laughs) also i love these types of challenges because i like diving in to be like wait that was nominated like yeah interesting because you never know if it's like a career cap sort of a nomination for somebody who just they've been ignoring for all these decades and you're like well okay that one the revisionist oscars right yes i'm curious (laughs) to see what uh what we'll come up with uh for that one but if you'd like to suggest a topic or genre you'd like covered on a future show hit us up on instagram at watch challenge podcast um we also have email all the usual stuff there's show notes and wherever you're listening to this just click on those links and uh, get a hold of us that way until next time folks rate and review the show in whatever podcast app you're using and we'll see you with the next challenge